What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day. It's free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you Monday through Friday. So start your weekdays with it. Make it your very first listen and tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're going to talk about the Blazers ending what was a brutal, brutal streak. Nine nine consecutive losses in games that are clutch, as defined by the NBA. Well, they finally got a clutch win beating the Hawks. We will talk about that one in in today's episode. Uh, I want to talk about just the streak of clutch losses, how long it's been, and kind of um, whether I think this is them turning the corner and how they did it down the stretch in this game. It It was Kind of a bizarre game, certainly by box score standards. A very, very weird one. And then I want to answer the question. What should the Blazers do? I, I, I We're heading into, you know, we're, we're a week out basically from, or approaching a week out from from uh, the trade deadline. And, and I am, I've been inundated with a bunch of questions about trades. I've been inundated with a bunch of fake trades in my inbox. I asked for them, so thanks for sending me those. And I am struck by a question what should they do? That's what we'll talk about to answer the show. What should they do? Um, and I think this game is is even worth exploring in that same question. But first, let's do what we do here. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers win 129-125. They led 31-23 after one. Uh, Portland led by 10 in the first quarter, but basically this game was beat single digits for the entire night. Portland couldn't quite pull away, but Atlanta could never fully crack the code. Blazers up 31-23 after one. They led 64-60 at the break. Uh, Damon Lord, 22 points at halftime. He, it was clear early on he was going to go get it, and he went and sc- he went and scored his points. Portland also just two turnovers in the first half. A very, very clean half. They shot the ball well, and they found themselves in the lead against a Trey Youngless Atlanta Hawks team. And they held on to the lead through the third quarter. Still still never gave it back. Led 99-92. Could actually have been a little bigger, but 99-92 after three. And in the fourth quarter, again, this they, they didn't ever truly pull away and build that 15, 18 point lead and say, okay, you know, if we play three good minutes, we're definitely going to win. Instead, they just stiff arm. They just hived and trophied the Hawks for 40 minutes. And the final eight minutes, the Hawks made their push, finally tying the game with a minute to go in this one on a two DeJounte Murray free throws, tied the game at 119 with 106 left. And you know what Damian Lillard did? He got right to the cup. He came down quickly, saw that the with with the uh, team on the floor they had, with the Blazers offense on the floor they had, totally spread out, the paints open, and he made sure to get to the rack immediately. Easy layup, Blazers go back up by two. Portland comes the other way, DeJounte Murray. Again drives, again draws a foul. Uh, Chauncey Phillips decides to challenge it. It was probably the right call to challenge it, but it's pretty obvious, like on the first replay, that Dame grabbed him on the hand, lose the challenge. Chauncey Murray, back at the free throw line, back making both free throws, game tied again. And Damian Lord does the same thing. Floor spread, paint open, starts to to turn on the gas with just a clock ticking under 40 seconds. 
just absolutely, absolutely is going to is, is going to get to the rim again. The Hawks start to realize it as he turns on the gas. He kind of turns the corner, gets his his shoulders square. Nobody can stay in front of him. He's been fantastic in this game. Hasn't even been super aggressive looking for his own shot, but has been really, really efficient scoring to this point and literally just tied the game on, a, on an uncontested layup or an easy layup the previous trip down the floor. The Hawks defense pulls in. Damian Lillard sees the help coming, flips Anthony Simons to the right wing. He steps into one with 34 seconds left. Cash. And the Blazers go up three, and the Hawks have a chance. They set up a um, a three-point attempt coming at curling towards the top of the key for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Bogey. Got a clean look at it and got fouled by Gary Payton the second. Both got a pretty good look and got fouled. Uh, a, makeable, a makeable attempt that you also get hit on the arm is not the ideal defensive play, but Bogey steps to the line. Clangs the first, makes the second, clangs the third. The Blazers make their free throws down the stretch and with a chance to to tie the game. Bogey just cuts it to a two-point game. Portland makes their free throws down, down the stretch. Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart, Damian Lillard all make their free throws. And Portland ends holds on 129-125. That's your fastest recap in the West. In the West. Damian Lillard finished with 40 points on 13 of 26 shooting. Excuse me, 42. I'm, I just read Jante Murray's line for, for uh, Damian Lillard. My bad, dog. <laughs> Dame, 42 points on, on 10 of 21 shooting. He was 5 of 12 from 3 and 17 of 17 at the free throw line. Made all of them. He, he finished with 6 assists and 0 turnovers. That's a big number for the Blazers. Jeremy Grant finished with 22 points. Uh, Emory Simons was, he was kind of quiet, but he ended up with a really nice box score. He finished with 21 points and 7 assists and just 1 turnover. Shaden Sharp, really, really solid game off the bench from Shaden. Um, I think January's been a good month for him. Uh, I mentioned it on a couple podcasts recently. I'll mention it again here. I thought December, he looked like someone who hit a real speed bump, someone who was like, oh, they know what I want to do, and I don't know what I want to do against a defense that knows what I want to do. He's figured it out. He's he's turned up his aggression a little bit more. He looks more comfortable. He looks better on defense, more competitive on that end. Um, and, and, and he just, he looks better on offense. Like he still had some, um, you know, he still has some plays where he's like, could make it easier on himself, but um, he's, I mean, he's spectacular. He threw down two lob dunks and missed a third one where uh, Gary Payton threw it to him on the break, and it was intentionally a bad pass, like below his waistline. So he had to reach down and get it and do a windmill live. It was about to be like one of those you-see-it-forever type of dunks. It was like a, like a, it was like a you-see-it-forever type of dunk. I'll leave it at that. Like it was going to be on a, a highlight reels for a very, very long time. Um, he just, he just missed it because it was, it was like an intentionally terrible pass. He finished, well, like I said, 10 points, four boards, uh, and, and an assist off the bench. Nazir Little came in, made his threes, finished with six. Uh, Drew Eubanks finished with three points, played 21 minutes, three points, three boards, 21 minutes. He actually played down the stretch and Yusuf Nurkic did not. And Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart returned to the lineup in this game. Nurk finished with 12 points and five boards uh, in 26 minutes. Josh Hart played 34 uh, minutes and finished with nine points, 12 boards and five assists. A very Josh Hardy type game over two from three, four of four inside the arc. On the other side, Jante Murray, 40. Uh, Bogey Bogdan Bogdanovich had 23 off the bench. Um, and really where this game was why the Hawks were in this game. Because the Blazers shot the dang lights out. 19 of 40 from three. Like 48% from three. 47 and some change percent from three. 47.5% from three. Uh, like, yeah, you shoot 48% from three. You make half your three-pointers and you take 40 of them. You make 19 threes in a game. They turn the ball over just eight times. You're going to win. Unless 
you get crushed on the glass. The Blazers had three total offensive rebounds and just three second chance points. The Atlanta Hawks had 17 offensive boards, 17 offensive boards leading to 21 second chance points. Like they had more opportunities. Some of them are just like Clint Capella misses the first tip and misses the second tip and ball uh, springs back out. Those, those are two offensive rebounds and, and no second chance points, but plus 14 on the offensive glass, uh, the Hawks took 15 more shots. Uh, they they finished with 94 field goal attempts compared to just 79 for the Blazers. And usually you make that up at the free throw line. So it's like, um, you know, people can get caught up in the field goal disparity, but maybe shooting possessions is the best way to, to measure that. Well, the Hawks shot more free throws too. Three more free throws. 18 more shooting possessions than the Blazers. 18 more shooting possessions. That is 18 more shots at the rim that, that could lead to points, one, two, or three points. 18 more, and you lose, and you lose. It's brutal. <laughs> that is so brutal for the Hawks. Um, who didn't shoot poorly, didn't didn't shoot great from two, but uh, you know they're not a they're not a high three team. They they end up making 13 threes on 30 attempts. Like um, they they were without Trey Young in this game, and I think down the stretch they missed him a little bit. But the offense wasn't really the problem. Dejounte Murray got fouled and got where they wanted to go. It's just at the end of the game, you know, Bogey's taking a three and not Trey Young taking off the dribble three. Although Bogey taking a catch and shoot three where he gets fouls a pretty good look. Like I don't think the Hawks were. Um, I don't think in the final minute, like after in the you know the game was tied with a minute minute six left in the final sixty six seconds. I don't think. Um, that it wasn't like the Hawks desperately missed Trey Young in the final, like when the game was in the balance. It's like the first 47 minutes where they would have been better with Trey. But he didn't play in this game. So um, th- that is just, that's just the way it goes. He, he sat out with right ankle soreness. Um, yeah, the Blazers get a win when the game was close. They haven't done that in a long time. This snaps a nine-game losing streak when the was, game was in the clutch. Let's, let's, let us talk about that and what it means in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you, Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. America's number one sports book. I'm excited to tell you about a new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They've got so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel right now and bet on the Super Bowl with uh, with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's wild. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. The Blazers won a game that was close. It had been a minute. (laughs) Many minutes. Thousands of minutes, in fact. Uh, Many days. More than a month. So, so long. Portland had lost nine consecutive games that were within five points in the final five minutes, as the NBA defines as clutch. They had not won a game that was came down to clutch time since a December 10th home win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was a 
the first of the back-to-backs, not the game where Dame hit 11 three-pointers, but the game before that where Ant and Dame kind of brought the Blazers home uh, in, in a close win. Uh, but uh, listen, it has just it had just been so many different types of these meltdowns. And, and when you start to have these close losses, it starts to, I, I don't know if it creeps into to the locker room super aggressively, but they're definitely aware that they lost close games. Like the Blazers know that they start slow and they end, they end flat. Um, so it's like, as long as the first five minutes aren't terrible and the last five minutes aren't close, we'll have a chance. We just got to, we just got to win those, win those middle 40 or 38 minutes and we'll be okay. Um, but like they didn't start poorly in this game. And then when it did get close, when it did get dicey in that final minutes, Dame makes a play and Ant makes a big shot and they hit free throws. Uh, you know, they did have a turnover late in this one that let the Hawks tie this game up. They had like no turnovers in this game. That was super key. Portland just eight turnovers. They averaged 15. So like on a normal turnover night, they would have given up seven more possessions, seven more shot attempts. They lose this game if they if if it's like that. Like they just lose this game. They're already, as I mentioned, the first segment at 18 shooting possessions, like 15, 15 field goal, um, 15 more field goals and three more free throws. Again, you add in seven more turnovers, which is an average night for the Blazers, would have been seven extra turnovers, basically twice as many turnovers, who lose this game. That's just like they played clean. They kept them, they gave themselves an opportunity by playing clean. But in general, I think this isn't like this game wasn't necessarily like proof of concept. I don't mean to be like, oh, hey, they've, they, every Simons hits one three pointer and was good, right? Five of eight from three, like, quiet but quietly very good um it, it wasn't like if, if, if that three rattles out or whatever and they have to and they win in, an, in another fashion or whatever it is it's not like this was like perfect process right uh the perfect process isn't just like the hawks defense playing very poorly and giving up a wide open layup and then getting scared about giving a second wide open layup and giving up a pretty wide open catch and shoot one pass three pointer to one of the best three-point shooters in the league like um yeah, like this wasn't, I don't think this was proof of concept, but the Blazers needed it because so many times down the stretch in games, the offense has turned into your turn, my turn type of stuff and mostly just a lot of standing around when teams get physical with the Blazers. The Hawks played bad defense. I, I think the Blazers probably shot very, very well and part of the shooting very, very well. Like some of it is just, like it's just, it's basketball. Uh, ball go in you just sometimes you just shoot above your head it's it's the it's a it's a fickle game but I also think the Hawks played pretty weak defense in this game and the Blazers exploited a team that couldn't guard them that's what you're supposed to do um, also Portland just for the record they scored 115 points so they won in this game now 17 and 2 when they score 115 points it's their magic number um, this is another classic game where they they wouldn't have they wouldn't have won with 115, but they score 115, so they win because they score they win games with offense. They're uh, the, 17 and two when they score 115, uh, seven and 24 in all of their other games. They have to score to win, but the 0 and 9 game includes like super meltdown against Indiana where they had 30, 30 assists on their first 30 field goals against the Pacers. And then they went 0 of 13 down the stretch where the offense just totally leaves them. It, it includes games where they have just, where they haven't been able to get a stop late. It includes just every flavor the, the like the, the uh, Lakers game, for instance, when it was like blew a 25 point lead, needed a stop to win the game. Couldn't get one, couldn't score on the other. The offense fails them on the other end. 
see you see you later um that 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 just just brutalness uh the game against the the nuggets in denver where the offense just totally failed them down the stretch and, and denver wasn't even that good in the fourth quarter but the blaze on offense and the blazers just couldn't score to save their lives they've had so many of these games so um i'm not exactly celebrating this game like they did it they figured it out here we go they're turning the corner and all those things like i think this is more like um this is more like a sigh of relief uh, when you struggle in close games, I think this is like a, they, um, I, I had a question about this from a listener. So I want I want to mention this qu- quickly is like, who, who do you blame in close games? And, and for me, like, if you're, if you're familiar with the show, it's like, I, I tend to always say it's players over coaches. It's like it's unpopular, um, whatever, <laughs> get your own, buy your own microphone. They're not that expensive. Uh, like it's, it's typically it's it's the deliberate nature of how the Blazers want to play that has doomed them in close games. And I think one of the things they did well in this game is that they didn't let themselves get into deliberate situations. Some of it was that like it was tied. We need to go score. And so Damian Lillard put his head down. But instead of saying like, let's get a good shot. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get a screen. And, and the Hawks had played really aggressive defense early in this game. Instead of it was like, I'm going to get the screen. I'm going to accept a double team. I'm going to get the ball to Drew Eubanks in the middle. Who's on the floor and he's going to make the right play. And we're going to like, we're going to work this offense and try to get like a good shot the right way. Damian Lillard didn't, didn't do that. He did sort of the opposite opposite of some of what his other deliberateness portends, like some of what, what it leads to. Instead of being um, slow and deliberate, he was fast and deliberate. He said, these dudes can't guard me. Like if I, if I have, if I get my shoulders past him, I know I can get to the rack. Like he was, he had been really good. Um, and he, and he got himself all the way to the rim and, uh, and, and scored. And then because the Hawks were so scared, again, the Blazers going quick in a tie game, uh, you go quick, you, the defense doesn't have time to say, okay, there's six seconds on the shot clock. There's one of these two dudes has to shoot. Let's sell out and stuff like that. Like, they went quick. The defense was scared because the Blazers were going quick, and Anthony Simons gets a clean shot and does not hesitate. You love to see him take. He's such a good shooter. Take the take good shots, even if they're early in the shot clock. It's easier to do that in a tie game than in, when you're losing or when you're like desperately holding on to the lead and try to like playing prevent offense, which the Blazers have been prone to do in some games too. So, I like again not proof of concepts, but I think in general the lessons learned here are that um, you know. The Hawks gave the ball to their best player, best player tonight, DeJounte Murray, uh, no Trey, but like best player tonight. They gave the ball to their best player on the court. They said, go get a bucket. And both times he t- he drove and earned fouls against Damian Lillard. Like it wasn't like Portland was locking them up. On the third trip down the floor, is three straight fouls by the Blazers. Bogey just missed the free throws. It wasn't like they're locking them up. The lesson learned here is lean on what you're good at. Damian Lord scaring teams is what you're good at. That's what they did to win this game. It's not always going to work, but after so many games of the offense wilting down the stretch, just just let him go. No screen, no nothing. Let him go is the trick. Like um, this is kind of something we've talked about a bunch on the show, or I've talked about a bunch, and you've listened to me talk about a bunch. If you're a regular listener, is like there is a balance between running stuff, which is Chauncey's preference. He's a run stuff kind of coach and Damian Lord's preference, which is just like, let me cook. I like late in games, let him cook. That can lead to isolation, stagnant nonsense. It can lead to all of the mistakes, but if you move quickly, you avoid some of that nonsense. Okay. 
I am struck by the Blazers' position. And after Dame scores 42, Ant scores 21, and Jeremy Grant scores 22, and you get 85 points from these three dudes, I am left with a question for the 24 and 26 Portland Trailblazers. What should they do? What should they do as they head into the trade deadline? What should they do? I've shared what I think I want them to do, um, although it's like not a reasonable take. Let's talk about what they should do because I, quite frankly, I don't know. Let me share you my... Come with me to the third segment. I will share my confusion. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Okay, on a show last week... Uh, I talked about how when I, when you know, Dame scores 60, and I said on, on the show, like I did a little, it was like three minutes, it wasn't even a whole segment, it was kind of just like, when I watched how good Dame is, part of me is just like, Portland should be irresponsible and cash in all their draft picks and just absolutely chase it down because Dame's so darn good and they deserve to, and they, he deserves for the team to be irresponsible in the, in the near term and you know, screw, screw the future sort of responsibility of, of team building, the like right way to build a team. But that's like not realistic. That's just like, um, kind of just like, I was just speaking from, you know, not even hyperbolic. Like I'm just, I, I was very candidly just saying like, when I watch him, that's what I want. Those are my wants, but like wants aren't shoulds. Shoulds are very different. Part of the problem with my wants, like you want the Blazers to be uh, irresponsible, is like, what star is available? What, what like, t- true, like, all-NBA-level talent could you even, you know, unprotect your pick from the Bulls and trade a bunch of future picks and, like, truly be, like, irresponsible? Pascal Siakam? Is a Pascal Siakam and Dame pairing, assuming that you lose probably Ant and Shaden Sharp somewhere along the way? Um, you might not lose them both, but let's assume you do for this stupid hypothetical. It's like, is gutting the depth of this team and the youth of this team to get Pascal Siakam the thing that gets them to a championship? Heck no. Um, I think Pascal Siakam is great. Like, I think he's great. Um, I think he's just, he's a really fantastic basketball player, but he's not that tier that you cash it all in type of star that where you're like, hey, this dude is going to, this dude alone, him him plus Dame means you're a Western Conference finalist type of team or, or this dude plus Jeremy Grant plus Dame means you, you know, you are in the Western Conference finals in open West and you could have a puncher's chance to win the championship like that that player just isn't on the market the Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant smoke died after you know two games into the regular season it it just it just that isn't realistic so you know that sort of part of me that Michael that wanted them to be irresponsible it's like it's not even it doesn't even make sense they can't they can't be irresponsible now they need the time to be irresponsible is probably uh, a more responsible time to be irresponsible is in July. More reasonable time to be irresponsible is in July when if they if they uh, make the playoffs and send their pick to the Bulls, their pick conveys to the Bulls, then they'll have their future picks to trade and it's the summertime and it's easier to make those big splash trades and teams will be reconfiguring and all that, right? Like the, the timeline will just make sense. Um, something I m- mentioned on previous episodes but maybe didn't hit in my sort of w- what I want them to do plea of, of last week's show. But that isn't where I'm at today. Where I'm at today is like, what should they do? Uh, to close yesterday's show, I, I, I talked a little bit about Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart and, and and their sort of trade market. And I mentioned that I'm having a hard time finding a suitor for like a single suitor for Yusuf Nurkic. Um, it's just like, what team wants him? <laughs> Uh, I'm having I'm having trouble seeing through the seeing seeing um, you know seeing the forest for the trees. Um, 
or seeing, I guess, the trees for the forest uh, in, in this sense. Um, but like, it's, I, I asked listeners to send me their use of Nurkish trade ideas and a bunch of you did and I appreciate it. If you want to send me a bad trade idea that I'll be um, dismissive of, lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com is the place to do it. Those of you who've already emailed me know that most of the trades I'm like, eh, I don't like it. Um, but there are a handful of you. I've probably got you know, 15, 12 or 15 emails um, and I've, at least three of them I've said, I like it. So it's possible. It's about 25% chance, a little less, a little less, maybe 20% chance um, of, of having me enjoy it. 80% chance that I say, don't like it. Thanks for sharing. But I think what it illustrates and where I'm at is like, what should the Blazers even do? What should they do? And I watch this game where Dame is so special and they win and they and um and, and they're improved to 24 and 26 and they're tied with the 11th place Thunder and they're a game back at 10th and they're a game and a half back of the 8th place Pelicans. Just two games out of 5th. They're two games out of 5th. Two and a half games out of 4th. They're so close, right? There's like a million teams between them and 4th. So they're not really that close. But yeah, they are. Like, they're a winning streak away, right? The Blazers win something like seven out of eight, which they just like haven't done since October. But like um, they win seven out of eight at some point here in, in March. And it's like, oh, they're the they're the five seed, right? Like it's still right there for them. So my question is like, I look at all your fake trades. I consider my own fake trades. And, and I and I ask this, pose this question. Damon Lord is great. He's like creeping up towards like one of the top 10 best players in the league. I'm like, you might think that's blasphemous that I'm saying creeping up towards it and that I'm not saying he's one of the top 10 players in the league. So we'll just call it that, right? Um, so, it, so people don't get too upset. He's one of the top 10 players in the league. Or if you don't think that, he's close to it, whatever. Like he's one of the really, 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 really good ones again. How how patient are you? Because you can't, you can't get a game-changing prospect, game-changing player right now. But if you are shopping Josh Hart and you are shopping Yusuf Nurkic, and I think like Nurk not playing down the stretch in this game, even if he's still dealing with that calf injury, it's like you you, you kind of like this isn't the first game in the last handful that uh, they've gone another direction with, you know, sitting Nurk down the stretch. Um, yeah, like they're clearly comfortable without Nurk there. And there's been some reporting that suggests that the Blazers are, are very, very much open to, to um, trading Nurk. I, I talked about it in yesterday's show. Um so it's like if you are trading one of those gentlemen, you kind of want a player to help you get into the playoffs, right? Because if you get into the playoffs, you you know get off your the pick to the Bulls. You have future picks to trade, and you get there. But is that is it? Am I rooting for the Blazers just to make a Josh Hart for Jay Crowder swap? Someone who I think is like totally fine but not much of a needle mover and will probably help the Blazers but is like not a long-term solution by any means and it's like you know is that what I'm, is that what I think they should do or do I think they should go a little bit you know try to trade Josh Hart for someone who's a little younger with upside admitting that they're just not very good this year and that if they do miss the playoffs and end up with a 10th pick in the draft, that's an already another tradable piece and you can figure out what you want to do with the protectants pick either. Like, I'm lost. And if they're looking for a, a use of Nurkic trade, do they tr do they have to bring back a starting level center or close to it? Or do they just bring back like a backup level big and play a bunch of Drew Eubanks minutes and like just kind of figure it out from there? Like, what should they even do? And, and what, like, if I was truly like a, a take artist, um, I would 
I would bang the desk and I would tell you exactly what I think they should do. But I don't know. <laughs> like, I, do, I don't know. I think, I think because Dame is good and you want to be good with him and he's very much desires to win that you try to, you know, make some trades that allow you to get into the playoffs and you certainly don't head the other direction where you trade for like a young person that's going to be good in two years. Like you need someone who's good immediately. Um, but you don't, and you know, it's like, it's, I think you go for it, but even if they go for it, if they make a go for it type trade, they're 12th right now. There's no guarantee they even make the play in. Um, you know, it's like they, the jazz might head the other direction, but the Pelicans at some point are going to win a game again, I swear. Um, and they're going to get Zion Williamson back at some point. The uh, the T-Wolves have been playing better recently, despite a stinker tonight. The The Thunder just won't die. Um, the, the Lakers, they are embroiled in a brutal conspiracy where they're the only team in the history of basketball to receive bad calls at the end of games. I feel really bad for them. It's the only team that's ever happened to, and it's, it's unique to the Lakers, and it just it really hurts your heart to see them struggle with, with again, a thing that's only ever happened to them where they get bad calls at the end of games that cost them uh, chance opportunities to win. But, like, they're not terrible. They're not a very good – they're not a good basketball team, but they're not terrible, so they might still stay right in the mix um, as long as Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James play, you know, four out of every five games from here on out. They're going to be in the mix, like – even making a like with what the Blazers have to trade, even making a trade doesn't guarantee them the playoffs, probably. So I think what you do is you try to add a player that marginally changes your shape. Because the Blazers, you know, they got killed on the glass. They need to get bigger. So it's like you prioritize getting bigger, you prioritize better rebounding, you prioritize ability to play a larger lineup. Like everyone's screaming about Jeremy Grant playing the three. They don't even really have a dude who can come in and play four on the roster right now. So what if they had someone who could like, what if they really had a real deal Holyfield NBA power forward on the roster who wasn't Jeremy Grant and they could just play him there and they could actually play a big lineup. Like what if, what if that's the direction they went? It's like what, you know, it's, it's, I think that's, I think you got to prioritize the skill sets you're missing. They need shooting and they need rebounding. They could use some playmaking, but I think that's like a tertiary concern. They certainly need that at some point, but I don't know if you need it. Um, I don't know if you prioritize that over the first two. Rebounding and shooting are probably more important. So I think you try to upgrade those skill sets. And if they work in the near term, that's, that's what, you, that's what you prioritize. But I, you, it's probably unlikely that they're able to make the big swing. Like they're not going to be the, the players for the biggest seems unlikely just based on the reporting that they're like still even in the OG and Anobi mix based on what they have to offer. They're not going to be getting, they're not going to get uh, Boyan Bogdanovich from the Pistons just because the salary doesn't work. Like they, they, they seem unlikely to be a John Collins destination. So you're really like, you're moving further down the ladder, right? You're like, what if Malik Beasley's on the move? What if Jay Crowder's on the move? Like those type of names, right? Like what if the Wizards are dumping Will Barton who hasn't played in 10,000 years um, and is maybe old? Uh, like that's the tier of player that the Blazers have like assets to easily acquire. So it's, you you want, it's like you want to protect, you don't want to trade too many second round picks so you don't have future, future sweeteners to add. You don't really ha- have enticing youth because I don't think Keon Johnson is really going to get you too much stuff. Um, you don't have big salaries to match beyond use of Nurkic is 17 million. But again, that's a hard contract to trade. Like they just don't have a, 
they don't have a clear path to upgrade. So I think you, I think you get, you try to make a small move now that keeps you in the playoff picture, knowing that it, you might not make it regardless. And you keep all of the rest of the powder dry because this summer is the chance for you to really go for it. Right? Right? Like, isn't that, isn't that the path? Or is it just you trade Amphrey Simons? You absolutely go for it. Like I, I do not know what they should do. You know, though, you're you you've listened to thirty minutes of the podcast and you've listened to me for the last five minutes. Like, be genuinely confused. I do not know what to hope for from this team because I do not know what their best. I think I know what their best path is. It's like to have trade assets to trade in the summer because they're only going to get good through the trade market. But even then, I like I I. I what am I rooting for over the next, whatever, nine days, 10 days, 10 days I'm recording this, nine days if you listen to it, like, over the next nine days, what should they do? Email me, lockdownblazerspot at, at gmail.com. Tell me what they should do. You don't even have to give me a fake trade. Just tell me what they should do, theoretical path forward. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'll do more the rest of this week, five days a week. Wherever you get podcasts, Monday through Friday, it's also on YouTube. Tell your friends, make it your first listen, come back for more. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.